BYUSN, how will you gauge success for BYU football in year one of the Big 12? Is it solely record or something bigger? Plus, which BYU teams are most ready to compete for a Big 12 championship this year? Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Happy Wednesday, May 17th. I am Spencer Linton alongside AI Art critic, Jerem Jordan. So Cosmo the Cougar tweeted that uh, he asked AI to create an image of BYU mascot Cosmo the Cougar waiting, uh, sorry, riding a poem in a meadow, wearing a football uniform. Here are the results. The first one's just fine on the far right. Then the second one, Cosmo, you know, is in uh, human form here uh, with a cougar head and there's like a fox in the background slash cougar and then suddenly he morphs into like a centaur cougar <laughs> thing yeah it's dear AI, i'm scared of you yeah uh, cosmo uh followed it i love one. the caption from cosmo's <laughs> twitter account we're also scared it's getting, it's getting weird uh like today's show uh also on the program jeff hansen of 24 7 sports speaking of weird like us uh will evaluate the post spring transfers plus his fashion sense why rg3 is stoked for the new ea sports college football game Hilarious. I think he's the most excited. And Ty Detmer sits down with Tyler uh, Hawes in a new edition of The Mental Game. All rise and shout. It is time for What's Trending. Congratulations, Cougar Nation. It's been a long time coming, and here we are. It's a whole new ball game now for BYU football, and I could not be happier. It's going in. Touchdown. Touchdown, Chase Roberts. I'm really looking forward to, to doing some different things this year. Cougar Nation, it's time to continue. What's Trending presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group serving Utah since 1968. There are many ways to gauge success for your favorite team, your favorite players. When it comes to BYU football, specifically in year one of the Big 12, we want to know how all of you are going to gauge what success looks like in your realm, in your paradigm, Jerem, because there are Several different things at play with BYU's uptick in competition and moving into a Power Five, but the history and tradition of winning in Provo, they all factor into this. How will you gauge success for BYU football in their inaugural Big 12 campaign? Making a bowl game is the number one thing, outside of the record itself. Uh, the record obviously gives us that. Um, where BYU fits in the Big 12 standings will be interesting as well. Looking at the three Power 5 leagues that play nine games, there are two that play eight, 61% finished four and five or better. Okay. Can BYU essentially okay. be in the top two-thirds of Power 5 teams who at least kind of approximate 500? Four and five would be acceptable, uh, absolutely, in year one of the Big 12 because you're hoping you go at least two and one in non-conference. And then, uh, you know, there's, there's other metrics out there that we'll look at, like sure. SP Plus and FPI and Sagar and F Plus, uh, Beta Rank. Also, this is one that doesn't weigh in uh, holistically, but like a little bit, is does BYU's attendance at home games go up? Like, is it almost sold out almost every game? Um, I'm interested to see kind of what Lavelle Edwards Stadium looks like. Now, that doesn't weigh into how I perceive the entire season, but that is a factor that I'm going to look at. But, yeah, if BYU makes a bowl game, that means you won at least four Power Five of games of those ten. Um, and to me, that is good enough in year one. It's hard to know, yeah, we, again, because of where BYU comes with their unique stance of, and this is based on the fan base and, and success of the past, like 
there is this idea that BYU is just going to come in and because they've been playing an independent schedule, like it shouldn't be that much of a shock. And I don't think it will be, but there will still be somewhat of a difference. It's, it's still a tougher situation for BYU. They've never played 10 Power Fives in an individual season. So with that in mind, how do you, how do you expect uh, BYU all of a sudden to just maintain that hey, they're going to win at least eight games? I, th I think that's, that's too much to Feels ask. High. That's Feels too high. much to ask as far as just an ex a baseline expectation. I set the over-under at six and a half. That is my expectation. If BYU can either beat Arkansas and then win four of the nine Power Five games they play in Big 12 competition, then you get to seven and five. If they lose to Arkansas, then I'm asking BYU to have a winning record in the Big 12. And maybe that's a little bit too much. Um, six out of the 10 teams last year in Big 12 play finished with at least four wins. So, yeah, what is what is the 60% out of 14 in league? Yeah, it's, that, it's that, Big 12, Pac-12, Big 10, right? Those combined, 61% of those teams go four and five so, or and that, better. And that's right, like 60% even. So six out of the 10 teams in the yeah. Big 12 last year yep. were four and five or better. I feel like BYU is good enough to do that. But it's a 14-team conference, so where will they place? Like, that's the one thing. And there's have... no divisions anymore. No. Like, it's, like it's, that is not a thing. You get who you get on your schedule. Yes. If you're one of the top two teams, you play in the Big 12 title game. Yes, the one which thing BYU we, will. The one thing we have really Hopefully. not discussed is an expectation for where we hope or where we think BYU will finish in a 14-team conference. That's June 3rd's trending two. Is it, is, <laughs> is it a top eight finish? You know, something that we should Feels tab as like, okay, yeah, if BYU can finish in the top, they finish eighth place. That's not even top half, Jerem. Like, if we ask BYU yeah, to finish that's top first half, first of the bottom half, yeah. I feel like an eighth place finish is probably where I would zero in at with BYU going four and five. Yeah. Right. If they go five and four, then mm. yeah, then they are. They probably will finish in like the top half of the conference, seventh place. One game over 500. 8.4 would be your 60% spot, right, of the Big 12. So it's like, yeah, between 8 and 9th would be around 4 and 5 estimated based on what happened last year. Of course, that was last year. Year to year could be a little An different. An 8th place I finish back feels than that. fair. Like, if I expect you like, to go 4 and 5. I'd be fine five, with that. 4 and 5, I'm like, okay, you can finish in 8th place. Yes. If you're 5 and 4 in league, then I think you're at least 7th place. Yeah, maybe you're 6th, depending on it. Now, listen, if Jaron Hall had returned, if Puka Nakua was back, if, if uh, Blake Freeland was still there, maybe we feel like BYU should be 5 and 4, 6 and 3. Like, the, the unknown of will Keaton Slovis be the USC guy his freshman year? Or will he be the Pitt guy? Like, he's healthy. We expect him to be pretty good. Will Aiden Robbins be as good as he was last year at UNLV? Like, I'm not expecting a 1,000-yard seasons from Aiden Robbins, but I would like somewhere in the 750 range. Mm -hmm. You know, how good is, uh, you know, Darius Lasseter, receiver? And, and those three for BYU that come back in, in Cody Epps and Chase Roberts and Keanu Hill, how good are they? Can the O-line answer the call of last year's team was number one in pass blocking with PFF, number 12 in run blocking, arguably the best O-line BYU's maybe ever had? Kingsley, Suomati is a first-round selection. Certainly you're confident there, but there's some other guys you're hoping are good. Like, how good is Caleb Etienne? Is Waylon Lapuahu good at guard? You lost uh, Clark Barrington, who is uh, an All-American guard. There are some, will the defense be, like, significantly better? What does that look like? The unknown of that is why we are keeping things low-key. 
the first thing is Big 12. But the second is, we don't exactly know what this BYU team is. I, every year we're excited about that. When you return a quarterback and you return a couple of the skill positions and the coordinator, blah, blah, you kind of have a sense of what you have and what you could do. Even then, we might not know in the Big 12, but because we have those two big unknowns, that's why we're like, let's just make a bowl game and then see where we're at. Yeah, and again, it all depends on how you define success. Like, what is success? Some people say, well, it's only winning a championship. So it's competing for championships. So BYU's only had one you know, If you don't win a championship, season. then uh, everything else is secondary. Well, okay. I, I, that mindset's pretty it, naive It's to pretty me. crazy, right? I understand everybody wants to shoot for the stars, certainly the players and coaches. They, they want to you go You can use that in your summer sales Compete for a championship. Stuff. Awesome. Yeah. Go, go and do your thing. Mm-hmm. But success to me, and I'm trying really hard to like keep the blue goggles far away here, is – yeah, one, getting to a bowl game. That's the baseline for success. Like yes. The baseline. Sure. Yeah. To call Always. anything successful in, in Big 12 year one, you got to get to a bowl game. You check that box. Everything above that is just like an uptick. So if BYU wins seven games, then it's like that. Cool. It's another step in the right direction of greater success. If they have a winning record in the Big 12, that to me feels like That's awesome. the next step. Yeah, because then you're at least seven. At least five, seven wins. If not more. So it kind of goes in that, that order. Make a bowl game, hey, win, you know, finish top eight in the conference, and then above that, it's all gravy, man. Like, it's, it's all Although good. gravy, it, I don't like that phrase because gravy okay, it's is – It's all whipped cream. Gravy it's is all, necessary. It's all cream like, cheese. I need the gravy. It's all whatever it's all your favorite cheese. topping is on your favorite dessert. Yeah. Well, I just want that to be a component, you know. Uh, topic two, expanding the convo out a little. Which BYU teams are ready to compete for a Big 12 championship in year one? We have already spoken about this this week. In fact, we talked to the head coach of said team earlier this week. It's BYU women's soccer. Like, they come to the forefront immediately. And probably because they're one of the first teams to start. But I just feel like they're ready to go right now. They return basically everybody from a team that went to the Sweet 16 last year and is two years removed from making a run to the national championship match. Like, why would we not expect that team to compete with TCU for a Big 12 championship? I think those... TCU's competing with BYU. I think those will be... I think it's that First and second, when the preseason poll comes out, when the coaches' polls release, I believe that TCU and BYU will be one and two. I believe BYU will be. I hope, I, I hope I they are. I hope they are. I think and the that, coaches that is will quite respect the BYU nod to, to say, hey, yep. you're new to the conference, but yep. we straight up think you're I the best. I believe that will happen. So don't be shocked, yeah, if that's the case. But women's soccer and then cross country has such a good thing going. I, here's a question. Was it tougher for cross country in the West Coast Conference than it will be in the Big 12? I feel like they're pretty comparable conferences. Um, Running was Oklahoma State's really good. Iowa State's awesome. Iowa State's good. Okay, yes. yes. In men's cross country and women's, BYU becomes the best team immediately. Yeah, yeah. So last two years in men, BYU took second and seventh at nationals. Iowa State was seventh and second. The last two years, Oklahoma State 13th. Like and third. how do they compare to like a Portland? Portland has a great Portland, running program, right? But in men's only. Like women's, they're not a player. Uh, BYU is the, be- the, the number one teams ready to compete in the Big 12 are cross country, men and women. And then um, outdoor track and field, it goes Texas and then BYU in men, and then mm-hmm. women, BYU's got some competition with Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, um, which is interesting. Yeah, uh, women's volleyball walks in as the second-best team in the league already. You think? They second, really do. In a conference, they're, they're going to have five teams right in the, last year. Yes, but looking at the last eight years, BYU has consistently been that good. Like, they aren't like Baylor, Kansas. Baylor had a really nice 2019 with mm-hmm. the Final Four. 
BYU had a nice uh, 2018. I'm talking like Texas is clearly the best team, but BYU is like the second best team by a hair right now. Ooh. So they won't win the title this year, but next year when Texas is gone, I think BYU and could win the Women's Volleyball Championship in the Big 12. The throne opens up a little bit, and yeah. you can go and battle for it. If BYU, Yeah, BYU to me is like a one-pin hitter away from competing a little better with Texas. But um, BYU is still going to be really good. Football, you're not competing for a Big 12 title right out of the gate. We hope that's soon. Men's basketball is not competing for a Big 12 title right away. We hope that happens at some point later. But um, men's basketball is survival. <laughs> Like, that one is just yeah. don't cut the program after w- next year. Women's like, basketball. It, it, they are going to – men's basketball yes. is going to have some nice wins like we've talked about. For since. sure. Marriott Center Magic. But that one is like, okay, we, we're going to brace ourselves for winning a third of the games, which is a weird feeling. But, like, all six of those wins would be really good wins. Yes. Women's basketball, we've said it on the show, now that Lauren Gustin is back, we feel like they're good enough to finish top five, top six. Yes. And give that group like two and a half years. It could be something special. And then they could be pretty good. Could be something special. Uh, When you get into the spring sports, softball is so dominated by Oklahoma. Like Oklahoma. Oklahoma State, Texas, Baylor, they're all good. Oklahoma is like the Alabama. No, Oklahoma is better than Alabama. Oklahoma is what Georgia was last year. Alabama. Oklahoma is basically a semi-professional softball team. They're they, amazing. They are ridiculous. They, yeah. There's Oklahoma, and then there's a significant gap, and then there's everybody else. Baseball's got a lot of work to do as well in the Big 12. Yeah. The fall sports, it's fun. because Fall sports are better than the spring sports at BYU right now overall. Yeah. I'm not Big 12 aside, just straight up are. All right, our question of the day. Besides record, how would you gauge success for BYU football's first year in Big 12 play. Tyson Peterson answers on Facebook. I want the Big 12 to see just how much BYU football adds to the conference. They'll see high viewership of games. They'll see how well BYU fans travel. And lastly, they'll see another four or five players taken in the draft. More on that coming up in the whip. Four or five. Okay, we, we think we've got pretty good, uh, you know, chance at three. It's been seven the last three years. Four Damn. or five would be nice. I, I don't have four or five Pen for next year. So the, the, the football expectations is interesting. And I'll add this final thought, and, and we can get to this later. But with how wide open the Big 12 conference is this year, it seems like it is You're talking about in football, football yeah. anybody's race. Wait, I thought Texas was back. And, and coming off of what TCU did last year, it, it does add a level of intrigue for every fan base, not just BYU fans. It's like, sure, huh, okay, if it's this wide open, why couldn't our team – legitimately compete for a conference championship. Blue goggles are on on that one. Right? Blue goggles I, are on. I, I'm, yeah. just, I'm just saying every team, every every school should feel like, other than Texas, who has, like, just annual high expectations. They should. And Oklahoma, like Texas and Oklahoma. Money. Like, the other programs, like UCF, like, I'd be wearing the UCF goggles if I was a UCF fan right now. I would, too. They return, like, more known. Why not? Yeah. Okay, baseball needs to sweep Pepperdine this weekend. Hope Gonzaga sweeps Santa Clara to make the WCC tournament. So every pitch matters in this one. Tomorrow night, 8 Eastern, listen on the BYU radio app. Watch on the BYU TV app. Joining us next, he is a BYU sports insider, a recruiting specialist from 24-7 Sports. Jeff Hansen is back on the show. Where does he expect BYU to finish in the Big 12 standings in year one? This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. 
body throw to the jet. Touchdown to Cody Epps! All that pain, it made me to a monster. Welcome back to BYU Sports Station. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton, teamed up with Jerem Jordan. Our first guest today is a man who is trying to create a legacy of being the man who normalized wearing untucked polos and Jordans to conference meetings. He is Jeff Hansen. Absolutely. Jeff, how is your venture? How is this uh, new, I guess, ideal that you have put forward in the fashion world? I mean, it's tough because when people don't look at me, they don't see the epitome of fashion. So I've got a real hurdle that I have to clear before people start to listen to me. But like comfort over quality or something. (laughs) I don't know. I think people I think people will grasp it eventually. Yes. And this season will take comfort and quality with BYU football. We've been discussing this in our question of the day, Jeff. What's your opinion on this? Besides record, how will you gauge success in year one of the Big 12 for BYU football? competitiveness i mean there were games right you think back to that arkansas game that i I think people want to say it was competitive for a little while but it really wasn't you think back to that liberty game uh and even going back over the last few years you know wisconsin in 2017 i mean that's that's the kind of like attitude that i think people across the country have about byu going into next year uh you know over under win totals are anywhere between four and a half and six at sports books you've got advanced rankings putting BYU at 13th or 14th in the conference you know FPI things like that uh so I I think that I think BYU is better than than what a lot of those prognostications would have you believe but I think that the way to really gauge success is competitiveness is BYU in games they may not win every game that they're in but do they have a chance to win is it's you know are you still watching in the fourth quarter have you Mm. turned off the TV because it's not a game it's another, yeah, interesting metric. Steve Young would call it like an excitement factor. Like, does BYU have that ability to engage a viewer and keep you watching to the end of the game? So it's a fun point you bring up. Jeremy and I were just discussing the baseline for success we feel is most notably just making a bowl game, so winning six games, however you can piece that together, whether it's, hey, a hot 3-0 and start and then you find a way to win three games in conference, whatever, just get to six. For me, Jeff, I feel like – a top eight finish in a 14-team conference is is probably the next step up. Like, hey, if you finish top eight in year one, maybe that means you win seven games overall. So where do you stand on win total as far as gauging success, the bowl game topic, and, and where BYU finishes in the place they finish in the Big 12 Conference? Yeah, it, it's a good question, Spencer, because there's a lot of different ways that you can look at it, right? I mean, would, would you feel good with seven wins if two of them were – Texas and Oklahoma, or, you know, if they start off 4-0 and somehow, do you still feel good with seven wins at the end of the season <laughs> if they finish, you know, three and whatever down the stretch? And so it, it's kind of interesting to look at it that way. Um, I, I think I like that top half of the conference. I think that's probably a, a good barometer. The whole conference, really top to bottom, with the exception of uh, uh, really Texas and Oklahoma, but who knows what they are from a year-to-year basis anymore – the rest of the conference, the rest of the new Big 12, there's not a juggernaut. I mean, there's nobody that you're like deathly afraid of. Even TCU went to the playoff last year. You're not terrified to play TCU. So it's really tough for me to say in May, right? But if we have to, I like I like the idea of a bowl game, and I like finishing in the top half of the conference. 
Um, I think that's probably the best way to look at it right now. But honestly, I, I look at the schedule and I see really a really tough October. But then September and November, I think BYU can squeeze out eight wins and it wouldn't be surprising. I think they could end up with four wins and that wouldn't be surprising either. But there's a path to eight wins and we're looking at a pretty good season going into a bowl game. That'd be awesome. And uh, BYU's really got to butter the bread in the first six. Uh, I'm hoping for four in the first six. And then down the stretch, it's like, okay, yeah, if you could get three or four, that's great. If you only get two, you're making a bowl game. But I really think a, a strong start is important. Um, will you ever expect BYU to not make a bowl game in a season? You mentioned four could happen. But in terms of expecting a BYU team to not make a bowl game, we will always expect them to m make a bowl game, will we not? I mean, we have to, right? But I, I think a year-to-year, -year, when you look at a roster year-to-year, -year, it all comes down to the quarterback position at BYU. I, I think at the, at the Big 12 level, what BYU loses is the ability to win eight games when they get poor quarterback play. Mm. They've, they've always got to play at a high level at that position in order to get to a bowl game. Fortunately, BYU's had really good quarterback play over the last 10 or 15 years, but but we've seen, you go back to you know 2010 uh, and some of those early independent years, there was some up and down quarterback play and BYU was still able to get to a bowl. Those days are gone. BYU's got to do really, really well at the quarterback position to maintain that level of bowl game expectancy. Well, that leads me into our next question, Jeff, and that is right now, is BYU at the quarterback position ready to compete in the Big 12, in your opinion? With Keaton Slovis, yes. As long as Keaton Slovis is healthy, he's proven in his career that, that he can do things at a really high level. Yeah, the, I mean, the year at Pitt wasn't great, but Pitt isn't great. I mean, other than Kenny Pickett, that's kind of an exception to the rule at Pitt, they really haven't had a ton of quarterback success, so it's hard for me to put too many eggs in that basket. I, I look at what he did at USC, and I think that's much more comparable to the BYU offense, to what Aaron Rodgers going to ask him to do. So as long as Keaton Slovis is healthy, yes, I, I think BYU is ready to roll at quarterback. If he goes down with an injury, there's a ton of talent, right? I, I think Jake Retzloff is great, and I think Ryder Burton. I've been, you know, banging the drum on the Ryder Burton hype train since he was at Springville, and nobody really believed me. But I think in the spring game, he showed <laughs> showed enough that people are starting to see, like, well, this kid's got something. And uh, I think they're talented, but you just sometimes talent doesn't translate, right? And so, I wish BYU had more depth. I wish they had a little bit more experience at the quarterback position. Because uh, if Slovis goes down, it, it, it's it's a crapshoot at that point. Uh, the talent is certainly there, but you know even Zach Wilson struggled in his first year. It was up and down, right? Northern that Northern Illinois game oh. still like haunts my dreams. Too soon, Jeff. And uh, it is. It's, it's been five years, and it's not long enough. <laughs> and that's really what I, I see for BYU. If if Slovis goes down, is you're just going to have those growing pains, no matter who that quarterback two is. If only Brady Christensen had scored on that tackle eligible play. We would have not brought up <laughs> That's right. Okay, BYU has added some pieces from the transfer portal in kind of the post or, or middle of spring, post-spring uh, timeline. Who are some of the most impact players, in your opinion, among that group? Uh, I mean, we talked about Slovis. We've talked about Aiden Robbins. I think everybody talks about those guys. Eddie Heckard. Uh, a guy that I'm really excited for that really nobody is talking about right now is Weber State's Jake Icorn. Uh, the dude can play. And uh, he, he played at Beaver High School. He was a max prep small school All-American. Uh, Beaver, I think they were a 2A school at the time. I don't, I don't know what they are now. They might still be 2A. But super small school. Nobody really recruited it. And, and BYU didn't have a need to go down to Beaver. They, they could get more proven, more 
ready to play offensive linemen. So, so Jake ends up going to Weber state and immediately breaks into that starting lineup. Jake, Jake eichhorn has been a power five level player since he was at Beaver. I mean, that's how good he can be. He was just at Beaver. So nobody, nobody saw him. And I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. He's pretty versatile. Uh, I, I hope he plays tackle, but I think he has the ability to slide inside if they need him to. And that versatility, the ability to be multiple across the offensive line, I think is going to get Jake Eichhorn on the field, maybe not in the starting lineup on week one, but if there's an injury, I think Jake is one of the first guys that, that Coach Funk is looking at to fill the void. Hey, we've got love for Beaver High School. Didn't we see a Beaver High School quarterback playing the Rose Bowl not too long ago? Correct me That's if I'm true. wrong, Jeff. Okay, so... That, that's true. There we go. We don't have to spend any more time talking yeah, about, we don't care that about quarterback that. plays right now, <laughs> but I'm just I'm just giving credit to the Beaver High School Beaver football program, okay? Uh, Jeff, <laughs> I, I do want to know and get your take on where BYU is most ready by position to compete in the Big 12 if it's not quarterback. We already talked about Keaton Slovis in the quarterback position. You said you wanted more depth. Where is BYU most ready for from a skill standpoint and depth standpoint to compete in the Big 12? Uh, it's the offensive line, and I don't, I don't think it's particularly close. I mean, that, that group is ready to roll. They are a, every sense of the word, they're a Big 12 group. I mean, from the, from the first-round type talent, they've got that in Kingsley. They, you know, Connor Pay could work his way there. Caleb Etienne, he could certainly work his way into the draft, too. So they've got the top-end talent. And, and realistically, guys, I think that BYU probably goes 10 or 12 deep at the offensive line by the time fall camp is over. That's that's quality depth, right? I mean, that's not you've got six guys and your your sixth man is a rover who's going to have to play somewhere. You, you've got two solid units that I think Aaron Roderick would feel really comfortable with in any, you know, any given game on any given week. So the offensive line and it's not close. And then on the defensive side of the ball. I really like BYU safeties. I, people have been kind of worried about the safety spot, but you add Raider Demuni into that mix. Talon Alfrey shake it, uh, you know, had a year to shake off the mission rust. Preston Rex is there, and then obviously led by Malik Moore and Micah Harper. I think that's five really quality safeties. And then at that six, you know, safety six, you've got guys with experience like Ethan Slade. So. Uh, the safety position on defense, I think, is a, in a really good spot, and that, that offensive line is is going to be in the top half of the Big 12. Give us a sense of uh, where BYU has focused and, and what positions they're looking at and, and assessing for the 2024 recruiting class. 2024 has been interesting. Uh, I've had a lot of questions that have come my way uh, from fans looking for more commitments, you know, more offers going out like why is there not more action in the 2024 class you know here we are in may and there's only three uh, three kids who are currently committed and it's interesting uh, this has been like the weirdest recruiting cycle for byu you look at all of the attrition that they had in the transfer portal all of the new additions jay hill has essentially working with aaron roderick right they've added a full recruiting class almost uh, out of the transfer portal here in the last, you know, 90 days or so. They, they've been working hard on 2023, even though it's May. And, and so as they start to turn the page to 2024, I think you're going to see a huge emphasis on on edge rushers, really having length to, to secure the edge, to get after the quarterback. I, I had a player who told me a, a few weeks ago that, that Coach Hill, Coach Papinga, they have a really simple philosophy on the defense for the defensive ends. And it's get to the quarterback. And if you're not getting to the quarterback, you're not going to play, period. Like you you have one job and that's it. 
And I think they need to load that stable room with more guys who can get to the quarterback or I don't know who's going to play. So I think you're going to see a pretty big emphasis there. Um, and then on the offensive side of the ball, they need they need a lot of skill positions. They just they, BYU needs to have more speed. That's not really an indictment on the roster as it is, but more of a, a projection into the fast Big 12 conference with these high-powered offenses. You're going to have to score. You're going to have to have a ton of speed, and you're going to have to have a, a ton of depth at your playmakers uh, to, to hang in November when Oklahoma State wants to you know run up the score to a 50-plus point game. It's It's going to be tough. Fantastic analysis from Jeff Hansen of the 24-7 Sports Network. Jeff, we always appreciate the time. And to quote your tweet, the sports jacket or suit expectation needs to be burned with fire. We wish you the best in that venture, my friend. From your mouth to God's ears, Spencer. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Oh, great personality. Jeff Hansen on BYU Sports Nation. I do love an untucked polo. I've been untucking the polo for a long time. We did a photo shoot uh, like in the fall, and they were like, Hey, does he have to tuck in the polo? I go, I'm not going to tuck in the polo. Just, I'm sorry. I'm going to be that guy. It's your, but, thing. But it's your it's, style. I don't want to. It's your to. style. I, don't See, want to. I mean, you're a gold chain, untucked polo guy, right? That's how I roll, apparently. Uh, if you miss any interviews, uh, Deep Blues, fashion advice from Jeff Hansen, shows or games, you can find them on BYUSN.com or download the free BYU TV app. On the way, why is Robert Griffin III so pumped for the new EA Sports college football video game. Like, maybe the most excited of anyone. It's awesome. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Make sure you follow the show on social media, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Let's get to today's headlines. Men's golf finished day two in fifth place above the cut line. Top five make it to get into the NCAA championships at eight over. Today, BYU five under. No, baby. So three over for the tournament. They are tied for second at the moment. Again, it's early on day three, but tied for second place. Top five go to the NCAA championships. And BYU hopes to continue this uh, and make the NCAA championships. Zach Jones third individually at the regional at three under. He is one over t or one under today. He's your West Coast Conference individual medalist yeah, and baby. champion. They, and I said this to you during the break, Jerem, men's golf has done this over the past five or six turns. They typically have like one day where they all just go super low. Hopefully this is the day. They've shown up on day three so far. BYU softball takes home a handful of major West Coast Conference awards, including Hunter Ava as the WCC Player of the Year. Freshman Ilana Ogbayani, fun fact, daughter of former New York Met and MLB standout Benny Ogbayani, nice. receives the WCC Defensive Player of the Year honors, and pitcher Haley Morrow was named the WCC Freshman of the Year. Four Cougars were also named to the first team, including Ogbayani, Ava, as well as Kaysen Korth and Violet Zavodnik, Maddie Bejarano, Martha Epinesa, Haley Morrow, Chloe Temples, and Tristan Turlington were all named to the second team. Uh, let's stay with more softball fun. BYU has also signed pitcher Olivia Laney, a 5'11 left-handed star from Charlotte, North Carolina. She'll join the team next season, along with two other pitchers in the recruiting class. So she's the fourth player overall announced, third pitcher in Gordon Aiken's 2023 BYU recruiting class. And Daniel Schneeman, second baseman for the AAA Columbus Clippers, went two for five last night with a double. Hoping he gets a shot and making it with the Guardians. Unfortunately, the Guardians have their second baseman in Andres Jimenez, who they signed for a seven-year, $106 million deal. But shortstop is open. He's previously been a shortstop. 
they've called up a couple of guys, nothing stuck. He's not one of the top 30 prospects listed right now, but maybe he gets a shot. He's having a great year at AAA. Yes, he is. He's had a fantastic last three weeks specifically. In fact, uh, he was featured in a SportsCenter Top 10 play in the last 24 hours. He was going for the ball. It flipped out of his glove, and his buddy from left field came in and, like, snatched it it and grabbed it. Yeah. (laughs) So he said, oh, I owe that guy. I think it was – I owe that guy Chipotle or something. Apparently, they like going to Chipotle. I went to a Guardian spring training game, and I, I hit up Daniel, but unfortunately he did not play that day. But uh, maybe next year. Daniel Schneeman, AAA. Let's go. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. ESPN's Michael Rothstein reports FBS players can opt in to being included into the new EA Sports College football game. How pumped are you Ooh. for this? Uh, I'm super pumped, but I'm not nearly as pumped as Robert Griffin III, who tweeted out the following, <laughs> and I quote, <laughs> EA Sports College Football comes out next summer. FBS players can opt in to have their names, likeness in the game, and get paid for it. Per Mike Rothstein, I remember being a white quarterback with dreads from Montana with no arm sleeve one year and Hawaiian the next. (laughs) Those days are gone. (laughs) One time uh, er early in the show's history when we had fewer children and less commitments, we, we had like a, a hangout yes. where I slept over at your house and we played college football 2014. Yes. And it was so fun. I used to create my own players that'd be seven feet tall, like 350 pounds with like 99 speed and 99 everything. I, I can't wait to have this, but it will be fun to have like, if you're Malik Moore, you're like, yeah, I can be in the game. Yes, there's no more having to download the code of the people that have actually designed it with the names that actually match the players. Yes. And I keep a PS3 with 2014 yeah, so that I it. can still do it. Yeah, this. for it's, sure. It's fun. One more year. BYU is one of 18 FBS schools to have had seven or more offensive players, offensive players drafted into the NFL in the last three years, which is third most in the Big 12 over that span. Okay. Jeremy, will BYU be the Big 12's best offensive team once Oklahoma leaves for the SEC? It'll be interesting because TCU, Kansas, and Houston, and BYU were all in the top 20 last year in points per play. Hard to know what TCU's going to be. Kansas at ninth is surprising. Houston was 11th. BYU That's why Jalen Daniels is getting so much love. He's getting a lot of love. He deserves it. Yards per play was Texas, TCU, BYU in the top 25. I'm not sure about that, but in terms of the draft and the individuals BYU is producing, I love that. Yeah, this is what BYU needs to be. BYU is an offense school. They're an offense school. We love Jay Hill on the defense. Fantastic. In the Big 12. Get enough stops. We need to be the BYU offensive old. Fan-sided writer Tristan Freeman gave off-season grades to each Big 12 men's basketball team. He gave BYU an A-. Wow. What do you think? I feel like that's favorable. I know BYU sure. did some great things in the transfer portal and picked up some, you know, some key pieces for sure. I didn't know it was an A minus, so I'm, I'm I probably put it like a B plus. Yeah, I'd go somewhere in the Bs. Um, you know, but really good. Uh, I I like seeing the A minus. I like the we like the pieces of BYU's added. Wonder if there's still one out there. We'll see. Ali Khalifa, Dawson Baker, Quest Glover, like. Apparently, Tristan Freeman really likes those three. And we like Tristan. We hope it works out. ACC meetings are happening this week with, and Florida State Athletic Director uh, told reporters yesterday that multiple models are being discussed, Jerem, to solve revenue distribution, including a merit-based model. So basically, if you win more games, you deserve more money from your team Probably more nuance to it as well. Will this catch on in the other conferences? 
is what BYU wanted in the Mountain West. Uh, complained about the Mountain contract. Why is Wyoming getting the same amount of money as uh, us? And certainly uh, the a ACC looking for opportunities to make more money. But that means someone else is going to make less yeah, money. Yeah, I feel like there's so much red what? tape there. That's weird. Eh, I don't think it's going to work. I, I, there's... If the SEC is not doing it, why would the ACC? Well, the irony they have here is, enough money. But like Alabama could claim this easily. So could Georgia. The irony here is in the ACC, it's been Clemson, right? Like, so does Florida Clemson. Florida not actually been no, a massive out, player. Outside of Clemson, it's just good. been, there's a reason ESPN does the ACC Wheel of Destiny in the, uh, what is it? Not the, is it the Coastal Division? I don't know. Regardless. Virginia what, went to a, the Orange Bowl because what, Clemson yes, went to the playoffs. One of the divisions is just like, your champion is like, Five and four, right? BYU should have gone to the ACC. <laughs> Wrong conference, apparently. Up next, BYU's all-time leading scorer in basketball, Tyler Haas, speaks with the Heisman Trophy winner, Ty Detmer, about the importance of mental health and how Ty developed mental strength. Fascinating stuff. This is BYU Sports Nation. My two favorite ties. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan live from Studio B. The Mental Game is a new series where Tyler Haas sits down with former athletes and coaches and essentially breaks down the importance of mental health and how to train your mind for success on and off the playing surface. Haas recently sat down with legendary quarterback and Heisman Trophy winner Ty Detmer and discussed how developing mental strength during hard times was able to help Ty Detmer's career be so successful for so long. Ty, welcome to The Mental Game. I uh, really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, appreciate it. Yeah. Um, wanna start with, you know, you, you have accomplished so much in your, your football career and, and in your personal life. Um, what, what role has your mentality, your mindset played in, in your success in your life? Well, I think that's probably the biggest part of it. You know, I mean, you know, you look at guys playing college football or even in the NFL, athletically, there's not a big difference in a lot of guys. Mm -hmm. And it's, I've always tried to tell our guys, you know, it's the guys that put time in mentally and especially at the quarterback position, you know, it's the, it's the mental approach more than anything. And so um, I feel like that helped me along the way, um, being able to shake things off, being able to, to, you know, have a little mental toughness and thick skin and mm -hmm. playing Philly, you got to learn to, you know, uh, have some thick skin and, <laughs> and uh, have some there. confidence in yourself, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of thing. But um, I think for most people, it's the mental side of things, especially in sports. Mm -hmm. So, Ty, was it, was there ever a time at BYU when you were nervous about being the guy and <laughs> stepping up and and being you know that next great quarterback at BYU? Um, I don't I don't remember being nervous um, about you know having to to be the guy. Mm -hmm. um, I got to play some my redshirt freshman year, hmm. kind of some backup role, come in at half. A um, couple games came back and won. A mm -hmm. uh, couple games we didn't. Uh, but I, uh, I remember being excited about it and, and kind of that sophomore year, um, Sean missed spring practice. I kind of won the job. 
um, at that time, and it was like, all right, let's go. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you were know, fired up. You were uh, ready for yeah, it. Yeah. I was excited, and you're young. You're dumb. You don't. <laughs> maybe I didn't realize what it was mm-hmm. all entailed, but um, I, I knew when I got on campus and seeing the All-American pictures in the team room and the Davy O'Brien medals on the wall that, man, it would be great if I had a chance to, to be one of those guys, mm-hmm. and uh, that chance was there. So it, um, it, was, it wasn't nervous to, to be in that role or scared to be the guy. Mm-hmm. It was more of an excitement and, and uh, just ready to go, ready to, to take it on. Mm-hmm. And so um, I think if you're nervous and you play scared and you're, you're worried about things, you're, you're gonna play tight mm-hmm. and uh, grip the ball a little tighter, maybe hold it a little longer. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so, you know, most of the guys I've played with we're able to go out there and play with confidence and cut it loose and, and make plays. You know, Brett, Brett didn't worry about anything. He just went out there and threw it. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes ignorance is bliss. You know, yes. so um, you know when you're when you're having confidence and and Lavelle instilled that, like, hey, you're the guy. Mm-hmm. Let's go. And uh, he gave you no assurance. Looking that back, way. I wasn't looking over my shoulder. He gave me the confidence that I was going to be in there and I was going to be the guy and and uh, didn't have to look over my shoulder. Mm-hmm. Did, did you ever think it would lead to all the success at, at, at BYU and become a Heisman <laughs> Trophy winner? <laughs> no, that yeah. just kind of happens a little bit along the way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my sophomore year, we played well. I think I think that game against Penn State in the bowl game, we, uh, we lost, um, but we threw for 500 and something yards uh, mm-hmm. against Penn State. And I, you know, as a kid, I'd watched Penn State play and, on TV and they shut down Miami in their bowl right. game. And it was like, man, this is Penn State defense. That's what they were known for. And then yeah. we threw for 500. And I think that game really, you know, jump-started us for my junior year and beating Miami and having a chance to win the Heisman Trophy at that point. Yeah. So, so would you say that, um, would you say that some of your biggest lessons came in football or outside of football? You know, you have four daughters now, and <laughs> football doesn't prepare you for four daughters. That's for <laughs> sure. But it does. Uh, it does help you. You know, when they make a mistake, okay. Yeah. You know, hey, if you're willing to put the work in and and uh, move forward, let's let's go. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's not where you've been, it's where you're going. Mm-hmm. My dad used to say, it's not where you start, it's where you end up. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so, you know. Definitely football has been a big part of that. You know, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to get hit hard. Mm-hmm. And are you going to get up and stand in there and throw it the next down? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to, to hang in there and uh, when things get tough? And so, you know, you might lose the game, but you win the season, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, there's been things in our life that have happened that don't make you happy, but it's like, okay, it happened. We're, what are we doing and uh, where are we going? So um, it, it's definitely a sport mentality. I, th- I think any sport is that way where you have failure. It's okay to fail. It's all right to, to make a mistake, you know, as, as long as you're trying and, and you're willing to correct it, it's okay. Mm-hmm. So. so Ty, in, in a lot of our conversations in the, the Mental Game series, people talk about staying in the moment, being present, and I think that's, that looks different for everyone, and it's a challenge for everybody. How, how do you try and stay present in your life? Yeah, I think um, 
you know, my wife always says, hey, put your phone down, be where you are when you're there, you know? Yeah. Um, and so it's kind of that way in, in everything we do. If, if we're on the practice field, you got to be locked in. You got to kind of hang in there and, and be dialed in. Uh, if you're in a meeting, you got to be present. You can't be distracted and and be drifting off. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I've seen a lot of guys uh, drift off and, and then get cut two weeks later, you know, mm-hmm. because they didn't, they didn't stay in the moment. They weren't mm-hmm. present. Uh, they kind of thought they had it figured out and just going to do it my way. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think if, when people can master that, great things happen. And that's, that's why some of the players... You know, your your Hall of Famers, people like that are, are there because they're able to lock in. They're able to be in that moment and stay in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, other guys show flashes, mm-hmm. maybe they're in and out. Um, mm-hmm. And so the consistent great players, I feel like, have always been able to be consistent because they've been able to stay in it. Mm-hmm. Jeremy, you said it, my two favorite ties. And if you want more insights from those guys, you can head over to our YouTube channel and watch the full 30-minute interview as well mm. as other episodes with Lee Kamard, Kristen Kozlowski, Chad Lewis, and Bronson Kafusi. Great stuff from the mental game. And Football uh, does not prepare you for four daughters. That's what we learned. <laughs> <laughs> Can anything, can it, literally, can anything, anything prepare you adequately for four dollars? Or like any children whatsoever. Uh, but th- that's super cool. And how cool to see like two of the greatest players in BYU history in different sports yes. interact. That's pretty cool. I love what Ty's doing with that. Ty Which Demmer one? And Tyler <laughs> Both of them. Both two, of them. Yeah. Well said by you. Your yeah. two favorite ties. Well, two favorite ties. I have other ties in my house, but uh, those are my two favorite ties. Yeah. <laughs> Not the actual, as a, yeah, I love it. Yeah, just puns everywhere. There's a lot happening they're, they're there. dripping There's up. There's a lot yeah. happening yep. there. All right, up next on BYU Sports Station, we get to our rise and shout out. And um, it deals with candy. I'll explain after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Jacob Robinson going to make more PBUs this fall, baby. BYU Sports Nation is on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps. Subscribe, rate, and review the pod as well. Our question of the day. Besides overall record, how would you gauge success for BYU football's first year in the Big 12? If both teams just have fun, Spence. That's what it's really about at the end of the day. Jeff Hansen, our guest earlier today, said, is BYU competitive? That was a, an answer that was off the board for it's me. unique I take. liked that. A.K.A. Okay, let I like quantifying things. Is BYU within two scores in the losses? Are they being like, blown out by anybody? I don't want, like he said, and he forgot Oregon, which, which is good to forget. Oregon, Liberty, and Arkansas, I would argue, like, those were tough ones. Like, BYU was not in those games at all. Um, Taysom Hill was in every game at BYU, by the way, when he was scored. Never lost Never by, lost more, than by more than two scores. Yeah, yeah. But to me, a blowout is 17-plus, hence the 17 plus that emerged in like year one of this show when I would say 17 plus three scores is a blowout to me yeah bowl game minimum then, minimum threshold for success yep. seven wins would be nice top eight finish in a 14 team conference would be nice massive um, accomplishment if you get eight plus if BYU gets eight plus in year one oh wins amazing oh my 
goodness. No, first downs. Oh. <laughs> well, I thought you said like eighth place or better because we're talking like eight <laughs> yeah. wins or eighth place or better. Both are applicable yeah. here. I just want to get past the 50-yard line. <laughs> okay. Hey, LSU. <laughs> that was so bad. Jordan Royal no. on Twitter says, I want to see if BYU's defense can keep the Cougars in games rather than relying solely mm. on the offense. Interesting. I know Big 12 is known for shootouts, but any improvement from last year's defense will be a success. Yeah. Also, don't get blown out in any game. It goes to the competitive factor. Yeah. Make the opponent earn it. Yeah, can the defense win BYU a couple games, Spence? Or is it going to be shootout style? Now, not every team is shootout type offense in the Big 12. There's some that want to ground and pound a little bit. But BYU is like this hybrid mix of sometimes super explosive, other times yes. uh, dominant third down and, and short play. Yes. Uh, in response to our question of the day, our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevator. I'm going to call an audible here. I'm going to give it to Hayden Shockley on Instagram who says, okay. sold out Cougar Tales at all games. That's how we gauge success. That is absolutely, <laughs> absolutely the answer. <laughs> no, that's awesome. Uh, today's Rise and Shout Out presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Let's give it to the women of BYU softball, yeah. specifically all those that were honored. Yep. Hunter Avez, the West Coast Conference Player of the Year. Very, very well deserved. Haley Morrow, the Freshman of the Year. Ilana Agbayani, the Defensive Player of the Year. Yep. Bright future for this team. Obviously, some uh, you know outgoing quality in the seniors. But, yeah, while it wasn't a championship season, and that streak ends at, what, 13? Is that yep, what it was? 13 straight. BYU um, has a really good softball program, and uh, we'll have some really fun games. Think about it. Think about who's coming to Oklahoma. Like maybe Oklahoma comes to Provo next year. I am hearing they're coming to Provo. So they're coming to Provo. Let's go. Also, uh, Todd Judge, an assistant coach for BYU softball. I always wondered what he was giving to players when they rounded third base after a home run. It's Pop Rocks. Can you eat that right now? I'm not going to eat this right now. Do it, do it, do it. You want me to eat the Pop Rocks right now? All right, thanks to today's guests, Jeff Hansen and Ty Demmer. Sorry to Dennis Pitter, ran out of time. For Spence and Jerem, shout out to Daniel Summerhead. See you back tomorrow in Studio B. They are the workers. And they're blow. Oh, blow it's blow too. Blow Very nicely played. Go Cougs.